Amen. So if you have your Bible, if you would, please take it with me. Let's hold it high. Let's say this together. This is my Bible. God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. It's not too late. Remember that. Grace is God's unmerited favor for us. His crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. Jesus said you, you're alive. I can't believe you're alive. Okay, I was in the boat and I wasn't catching any fish, okay? But I heard this voice and the voice said, cast your net to the other side. And so I'm thinking, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing, but I'm not catching any fish, you know? And so I throw that net over there and then a gaggle of fish pop into that net. And I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up and I mean, there is you. You're looking at me on the seashore going, it is I, the Lord. It's real life. I can't believe you're alive. This is awesome. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on. Peter, yeah. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. I love you. You're alive. This is so great. Good. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on, man. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? I love you. Yes. And I'm so sorry about that rooster cluck, and I had no idea what that meant, but I do not. I'm better for it, all right? Okay. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, I'm smiling, but I'm serious. Come on, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? Jesus, mere words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. I love you. You know everything. I love you. Good. Good. Then feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. That is so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep them out. You know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And she said that there was an angel there. And the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. And so me and John, we hightailed it down there. And if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is. It is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait. The angel said what? Uh, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. This he is said okay. what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. You said my name. Why did you say my name? Peter, that's grace. No, no, I don't, I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you, if I was with you, and I kept denying you left and right, all right? No, it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did. It was unforgivable for no, what I did. No, What I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter. Hmm. 
So this morning I want to talk to you about it's not too late. It's not too late for Peter. It wasn't too late for Rahab the harlot. It's not too late for Isaac. It's never too late for Abraham. And more importantly, it's not too late for you. And as I've been doing this series on, it's not too late. I want you, if you would, please take your Bible and turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. I'll highlight right now verses 15 through 17. But I want to start off this morning just with an important question. Do you feel important? Do you feel that you are of value? And this morning, if maybe you've been dealing with some insecurities and inadequacies, it's never too late for God to turn your circumstances around. Our God's a God of hope. Our God is a God who will, will take the flawed and make them flawless. And I love that narrative. I love how the skit guys threw in a little bit about Peter's life. But if somebody were to say, you know what, I know that person. And if your name was called out, would you feel that there was some value to your name? The question this morning is, what legacy are you leaving? What kind of legacy are you leaving? Here's what it says in verse 15 through 17. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, now watch closely. He said, son of John, lovest thou me more than these? Do you love me? He said unto him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said unto him, well, feed my lambs. He said unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, son of John, do you love me? He said unto him, yes, Lord, you know that I love thee. He said unto him, feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. Jesus said unto him, well, then feed my sheep. Interesting. We can say that we love Him, but do we truly love our Savior? Men that are in this room, men of God. And I just saw, does that shirt actually say you're a cat dad? Steve, I'm digging it. That is it. My ADD kicked in, and I just have to say that was awesome. <laughs> See what you all do to me? You, my ADD just kicks right in there. Yes, you are. You guys, that's, that's great. All right. Back to being focused. So as you look at your life and you understand your worth, would you say, yes, in my travels, in my journey with Christ, I will follow Him no matter the cost. And I love what it says here. It says, Simon. Now, I'm going to unfold this, and I'm going to hopefully teach you something from the Word of God that maybe you haven't heard, and maybe you have, and we'll just refresh your memory. But this morning, we take a look at Peter, the most outspoken of the Lord's disciples. In our text, Jesus asks Peter a very soul-searching question. And I'm going to ask you 
men this and women this morning. He said, Peter, do you love me more than all of these things? What is it that caused Jesus to ask Peter this question? Lovest thou me more than these? Throughout Jesus' ministry, he had been trying to prepare his disciples for his death. He had been speaking to them about the day when he would no longer be with them. He warned them that after his departure, things would be different. And things were going to get rough. Things were going to be tough. And they would need one another more than ever before. How many of us know that when times get trying, we can draw strength from our brothers and our sisters in the Lord? So we need that unity and that fellowship among us. Amen? But here's the real question. Why does Jesus ask Peter that question? Lovest thou me more than these? So if you would, turn over in your Bible to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. The setting is the Last Supper with Jesus and his twelve disciples. It's just a few hours before the Roman soldiers would arrest Jesus. Jesus has distributed the bread and the wine among the men. And then he starts to speak in verses 20 and 21. And he says, But behold, the hand of him that betrays me is with me on the table. He's with me around the table. In verse 21, And truly the Son of Man goes as it was determined, but woe unto the man whom betrayed him or is betrayed. In verse 23 it says, Tell us the disciples began to question among themselves who the betrayer was. Now, it's important that we understand that at this point, the devil was not only trying to have Jesus killed, he was also trying to, his hardest to, to do what? To destroy the church. The church was the 12 men, the 12 disciples, who Jesus called to carry out his gospel. Because Satan knows that he is so much more effective at hurting the church when he can attack from inside the ranks of our own people. I've wondered so many times, and I have wondered so many times about this in the ministry. How does Satan manage to get such a foothold of destruction within us? Have you ever wondered that? How does the devil get inside the church and then bring out confusion and strife and division? And so many hurts are birthed because of it. There's only one way Satan can get inside the church and listen closely. We have to carry him in. We have to invite him in. And then we open the door to him. We have to bring him in with us and then unloose him. Here's the difficult thing for me to understand. Here at New Hope, God's church is bride. We are the most loving, the most forgiving, the most gentle, the most forbearing, the kindest, the sweetest of people to be found anywhere. Or am I mistaken? What is wrong? Why does the devil so often at the least bit of misunderstanding or failure, whatever the case may be, why do we carry it to the point that it ends up causing so much hurt and destruction? But pastor, people should not do certain things. No, people should not do the things they do. But neither should we react to their bad deeds with a bad spirit. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it says this, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, 
That means if he messes up. You, which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you would also be tempted. We're often too quick to spot the faults of others and not quick enough to spot our own faults. There was much taking place around the Lord's table that evening. Luke 22 Verse 24 says, And there was also strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. Who is going to be in charge after Jesus was gone from them? So there was the dissension brewing among the twelve disciples. As I said earlier, Peter is the most vocal of the twelve, and I can visualize him as he begins to boast and he begins to brag about his loyalty and his allegiance to Jesus while belittling the other disciples and yet Jesus has the ability to put people and to put Peter in his place instead of boasting Peter Peter really needed to be careful that reminds me of Paul's warning in his first letter to the church in Corinthians here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to chapter 10 verse 12 let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall Watch that pride doesn't creep up within you. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that thy faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Jesus warns Peter here of his spiritual weaknesses and his failure. And Peter becomes offended of Jesus' words. And then he begins to say in, in verse 33, And he, Peter, said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both unto prison and unto death. Now emotions start taking place, right? And now this, the whole narrative, the book is starting to unfold and Peter is stirred up within his spirit. Lord, you see, these other disciples may deny you and forsake you, but my love supersedes their love for you. I love you more than these. He was referring to the other 12 disciples. Jesus, I'm your man. Come on now. You can count me in. You can rely on me. Listen, I'm the guy in your corner. And I believe that Peter really did love Jesus. The question is, do you really love Jesus? Maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you have the spirit of Peter. However, he was relying and leaning on his own strength, his willpower, his loyalty, and his allegiance to Jesus to sustain him when the times got tough. Many people today make the same mistake. Many of us make the same mistake today. And times will get tough. Would you agree? Circumstances, financially, physically, materialistically, Now I'm really going to preach. <laughs> My wife is saying right now, she's watching online, Honey, did you change those batteries? No. I didn't. I just winked at you, Beck. So... Times will get tough. Let's look at Jude chapter 1 verse 24. It says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. There's the key. 
In Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. Now, Peter starts to boast to Jesus. Luke chapter 22, verse 23, and he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both unto prison and unto death. Watch this. So then in Matthew chapter 26, verse 33, though all men shall be offended because of you, yet will I never be offended. Jesus knew Peter's strengths, but here Peter boasts that he loves the Lord more than anything or anyone else. Yet in verse 20 or verse 34 of Luke, and he, Jesus, here's what Jesus says. I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day, but before thee three times you shall deny me. Three times. There is that number three again. He has to complete it. You know, isn't it amazing? God is the God of second chances. Now I really believe that as I've been preaching these series, God is a God of three chances. He won't give up on you. He loves you. He cares for you. Maybe some of you dads have been sitting here maybe reflecting on your life and you've thought, man, I'm just not worth it. But listen, you can change where you've been. You can change who you are. You can become a great man of God. It just takes change. You have to change. If I were to go back to to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understandings and all thy ways. Acknowledge Him and He'll direct your path. You have to lean on Him, less on you. That's how it works. Jesus was correct about Peter. And the next morning before the rooster let out his first crow, Peter had denied Jesus three times. And the Bible says when Peter realized what he had done, he went out and he wept bitterly. Peter wept like a baby. He never thought he would sink so low. But let us return back to John chapter 21, all right? And I know I'm jumping around here this morning, but watch this. In John chapter 21, verse 3, it says, Simon Peter said unto him, I go a fishing. Peter had not even been fishing for three years. Do you hear what I'm saying? Peter had not even been fishing for three years. And we find in Luke chapter 5, Jesus coming to Peter and saying to him, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And from that moment, Peter left his old life behind. He laid down his nets. He worked with Jesus for three years. But what Peter was doing here was reverting back to his old life. He was through with the church. He was done. He was over it. So Peter and six of the other disciples enter into a ship in the Sea of Tiberias. And they go a-fishing. If you call that fishing. And it says they caught nothing. They went a-fishing and they caught nothing. Not even a little fish. Not a bluegill Not a minnow. Nothing. So what was wrong with this picture? What was happening? Peter had a spiritual calling in his life that he could not run away from. Ooh, there's a message, preacher. You see, Peter had a calling. And when you finally have a calling in your life, you have to submit to that calling and let God do his work and his way and his will in your life. But you don't understand, Pastor, I'm not fit to preach, and neither am I. 
but I surrendered to it. But maybe you're fit to clean. Maybe you're fit to work in the hospitality committee. Maybe you're fit to sing. Whatever your gift is, whatever your talent is, God wants to use that. You have to surrender to that in your life. See, your calling is irrevocable. Jesus' way of teaching Peter, fishing won't satisfy you any longer. And he says in in chapter 21, verse 4, But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples knew not that it was Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any meat? Is there anything in there? And then they yell back, Nope, we don't have a thing. We've wasted our whole night to fishing. And I don't imagine that it was a friendly answer, no, either. And all they needed right now was fishing advice from a stranger, right? Peter had been a professional fisherman. And in verse 6, and he said to them, Cast your net on the right side of the ship and you shall find. They cast their nets over and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. I'm not talking one little fish. I'm not talking 50 fish. I'm not talking 100 fish. I'm not even talking 150 fish. It was 153 fish. Why does that number three keep coming up? Amazing, isn't it? 153 fish in their nets. That's what it says in verse 11, doesn't it? Now, it looks like it's too late for Peter. He was made, he'd made up his mind. However, Jesus doesn't let us go that easy, right? So men, listen to me as I'm speaking to you fathers today, men, individual, uncles, grandpas, whatever your role is. He's made up his mind. And yet Jesus doesn't let him go that easily. And one of the best descriptions of Jesus in the New Testament is that of a good shepherd. It says there, he leaves the fold of 90 and 9 and goes searching for that wandering sheep. Thank the Lord he goes searching for all of us when we wander and when we astray. When we go astray. So then Christ starts to speak to Peter and he says in verse 15, So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Lovest thou me more than these? Now first notice this, how Jesus refers to Peter. Now watch, and I started studying this, and I started thinking this through. Because remember, in the transformation, he changes names. We've been learning that, right? He says, Simon was his old name since he had gone back to his old way. What was that, Trish? Amen. I'm glad you're listening. Good student on the front row. Okay. So Simon was his old name. And in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus told him, Simon, you shall no longer be called Simon, but Peter shall be your name. You shall no longer be called Simon, for Peter shall be your name. Peter means a stone. Now watch, because I thought this was real interesting. I always talk about Upon this rock, which is Peter, right? Peter means stone or rock. It means a strong one. It means a leader. It means someone who is solid like a rock. Sounds like a song, too. But Simon means pebble. Did you know that? Simon means pebble. It means little one. So God saw potential. Jesus saw potential in Peter. So this is what Jesus is saying to him. Well, little one, 
You boasted and you bragged about how strong you were and how you would never deny me. How do you feel now, pebble, little one? How'd you like that little narrative? I thought you'd appreciate it. But here's the second notice that he says. Then Jesus asked Simon, you boasted about how much you loved me. You said you loved me more than these other disciples. Do you still feel that way? Lovest thou me more than these? The word Jesus used for love, let me break it down for you. The Bible has more than one word for love in the original Greek. In our English language, we use the same word love for many feelings. We know that, right? We love our wife. We love our children. We love our truck. We love our coon dog. We love our dogs. We love our cats. We love our pizza. The Greek word Jesus was trying to use here was called agape. Agape means a self-sacrificing love. That was the love Peter professed before. He had that kind of love. And so he was asking, do you agape me, Simon? Do you agape me? Do you have that kind of love that you would sacrifice your life for? And he says here unto him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But yet the word that Peter uses to answer Jesus is not the same word that Jesus asked. Now watch, Peter rather said, I phileo you. Phileo love means fondness. I'm fond of you. I think a lot of you. Just that kind of friendship type of love. That brotherly love. Much like Philadelphia type of city of brotherly love. Not really. Then Jesus asked Peter the second time. In in verse 16, he said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? He said unto him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Once again, Jesus asked Peter the same question. Do you agape me? Do you love me self-sacrificingly? And once again, Peter gives him the same exact response. You know I phileo you. You know that I'm fond of you. You know, come on, we're brothers. And then Jesus asks Peter again, how much do you really love me? And in verse 17, he said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, how much do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, you know that I love you. And he said unto him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said unto him, well, then feed my sheep. Jesus asks Peter differently in his third time. And that's when Jesus asks him, do you phileo me? And that was all that Peter could confess. He had failed at the agape love. Notice that Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. But Jesus accepted that measure of love, knowing that Peter's love for him would increase with the infilling of the Holy Ghost within just a few days. But Peter was honest. And I think Jesus understands our spiritual low times, doesn't he? Often someone will say, I love the Lord with all my heart. But then you don't see them in church for a month or more. Can you say that again, Pastor? Certainly, I will. (laughs) Oftentimes people will say, I love the Lord with all my heart. But then you don't see them in church for a month or more. 
If we profess to have it all, then there's no room for spiritual growth. This isn't in my notes, but here's a sidebar for you. And here's the question that I think really brings out Peter. I believe that what he was saying, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I believe that we as Christians have to understand the place and the time that we're in. So let me explain. So as I look at Peter's life, it was much like, many of you do not know this, but it was much like Las Vegas. It was a place where People were having sex and sin was rampant and people were drinking and people were cheating and things were going on. And he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And here's what takes place. Can you imagine? Here is Peter who says, Lord, you know, I love you. And he says, no, you only love me like a friend. No, I want to know, do you love me with that same sacrificing love that I love you? You see, I'm going to. The cross for you because I love you. And in times like these right now, and back then in this place of, uh, I'm trying to think of the, not Capernaum, Syria, I can't remember the, not Sodom, uh, the place where the rock was at, where where Peter came from at this location this time, it just slipped my mind, but it doesn't matter because you won't remember the name anyhow. But it was at this rock where the goddess There were several different gods that were there, demons that were there. So people would go to this rock. They would participate in sin. And I believe that Jesus at this time, Cyrenius, that's what it just came to me. And at this time, they are participating in wicked, wicked sin. Much like today. Our world has bowed the knee to sin. And it says, if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I'll heal them. I'll change them. There isn't one person in this sanctuary that is flawless Without Christ, we live in a sinful place. So he was telling Peter that, listen, upon this rock, you're no longer a pebble. Are you willing to go and go? In verse 19 of that chapter, it says, follow me. Are you willing to take up your cross and follow me? And he said, so I'm putting you in a place where now you have to preach And do the work of the Lord. So church, here's the question. We're in a time where the church needs Jesus. We're in a time where the world needs Jesus. We're in a time where people are running rampant and crazy and addictions. And we're allowing the influences of the world to influence even the church. And he tells Peter, are you willing To die for me. Upon your life. See you're now a rock. You're no longer a pebble. 
And it was right after that, Peter then goes up preaching, doesn't he? I think it was Acts chapter 3. The day of Pentecost. I mean, many came to them, but he was filled with the Holy Ghost. He was filled with the Spirit of God. But you can't be filled with the Spirit if you're still living a life of hell. You cannot continue to keep participating the way that you have and think it's okay. Because he said, if my people, how many of you want to say, I'm God's chosen people? I know back in the Old Testament, he said that was the children of Israel. But I'm telling you, in the New Testament, we are Gentiles. We are born again. We have the blood of Jesus, if you know him as your Lord and Savior. So he's asking each and every one of us, do you know me? Would you pick up your cross? Would you pick up your cross? Would you follow me? What is the cost? Do you understand? The cost is great. It's not easy. What do you mean by that, preacher? Laying down some of your pride. Laying down some of the sin that you've been participating in. Laying down some of the junk in your trunk. You've got to let it go to let God. And so he looked right at Peter and he said, listen, I'm telling you right now, man of God, it's time to let go. And see up on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So let's all get tickets to Vegas and let's go for it. Let's go preach the gospel, right? I'm not saying that because I believe sin is just as rampant here as it is there. People do things in secret that we don't even realize, but we know that, that, we know that Satan has a stronghold and a foothold in their life. So I'm going to say this in closing. It wasn't too late for Peter. In John chapter 21, verse 18 here, it says, Verily, really, I say unto thee, when, when thou was young, thou girded thyself and walked wherever you wanted. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry you whither thou would not. And verse 19 says, This spoke he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. Peter was restored and his love for Jesus grew and grew and grew and grew. Peter developed that agape love that Jesus was asking about and he was asking for. He unashamedly stood before thousands and preached on the day of Pentecost. The book of Acts tells us how Peter was in prison and was delivered by the angel of the Lord. History has it that Peter was a martyr under Nero and was crucified upside down because he did not feel worthy to be crucified the same way that Jesus was. Peter fell, but it wasn't too late. He was restored by Jesus. We may fall, but we don't have to stay down. We may fall. But we don't have to stay down. So what kind of love do you have? If it's not too late for Peter, it's not too late for you. Will you change your life? Will you change your direction? Will you change your heart? Will you change your motives? Will you humble yourself? Would you seek his face? Would you follow him? I love the Lord. Now I'm going to tell you this. We have a gentleman in this room right down here. This is Chris and Amber. Would you stand? wasn't planning on doing this, but I'm going to do it. This is my original assistant pastor way back in the conception of this church. This is Chris and Amber Steiner. They've sold their home. He's changed jobs, and he's accepted the calling as children's pastor 
here at New Hope Talmadge. Amen. And you're going to be hearing, you may be seated, you're going to be hearing about their testimony and what God has done in their life. And I said to Chris and Amber this morning, I said, you know, I know you got that big fat check. Just kidding. When you sell your house, you know, everybody's buying them for more than they're worth. And, uh, but we don't care. We're, God did exactly what he was supposed to do. Amen. Preach it, brother. And, uh, but I know as sure as I'm standing right here right now, I said to both of them, because he walked to my office and he held on both doors and he said, I just love being here, but I'm going to get emotional right now. You know why? Because he's back home and he's fulfilling the calling that God called him to do. And he said, follow me. Now they have to give up North Carolina to come back here after 13 years. We've been away from each other. And to accept the calling as children's pastor here. And this coming August, some great things are going to happen. We're redoing everything, revamping everything. But I know in the very beginning, I believe you were challenged. And I sat, and we've had a lot of conversations for a year, haven't we? And we've been praying through a lot of stuff, and I'm not going to give away this. I wanted to, just want to let you know. Through all these messages, brother, I want to tell your story, but it's not my story to tell. So make sure when he does tell his story that you're here to hear the story. You know he has a story, and it's a God story. Okay, that'll be coming up here in July. So when he does, I want you to come and be a part of it. But listen, he made a sacrifice, and as soon as he said, all right, God, here I am. Use me, change me, redirect me. I do believe that God felt that phileo love. What does it take? And I know that we talked about that with both you and Amber. What is that measure of love? Because she had to close a chapter. He had to close a chapter of North Carolina and move up to cold, winter, snowy Ohio again. But we're blessed to have them a part of our ministry. And he's got wonderful gifts. But they're going to be using those gifts in this ministry. But even though through the journey of his life, he may have fell down. But you don't have to stay down. God has great things in store for both of you and your family. And they have three wonderful children, Sophie, William, and Lincoln, that are going to be a part of this church, part of the children's program. And I'm just blessed to have you with us. And I'm, I truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. You guys can say, well, you're partial because Chris used to be one of your youth when you were a youth pastor. That is correct. And, uh, but it means a lot to me. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do in their life as they follow him. Change isn't easy for anybody. But when you surrender to it and allow God to do a great work in your life, things will change. So here's the moral of the story. No matter what. They went fishing. And Jesus reminded him again and again and again, what are you fishing for? We all have a responsibility to fish for people. We have to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. We sang a song called, And the Old Rugged Cross Made a Difference. So I want to bring you back to where it all started for you. To come back home to the old rugged cross. And I know in your journey and in your, in your narrative, maybe it hasn't been that easy. But God loves you and he cares for you. And even reminded him, you know, you might have been Simon. You might have... Sm- thought you were small and just a pebble but truly 
You are a rock. And I want you to know, church, you're a rock. God wants to do great things in your life. Will you surrender to it today? Will you let go and let God do a work in your life? Because it's not too late for you. It wasn't too late for Peter. It's not too late for you. Let's rise to our feet. Father, we love you and we thank you that, Lord, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, move within our hearts and in our lives. Father, we just thank you that we know all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So God, today, use us and speak us, speak to us. Help us, God, to pick up that cross and understand that there's a cost to living a life sold out for you. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for what you're doing in regard to this building, the expansion, the additions, everything that's going to take place. God, thank you for how you're working all things out for your good. And and Father, help us to not focus on just this earthly life but help us to be kingdom minded we get busy in our workplace and in our families and having babies and the excitement that flows with all of it that Lord we still need to remember that all provision and blessings come from you so God today I surrender I give my heart back to you Lord I love you and you know my heart But God, help me to have that kind of agape love, the sacrificing love. To do whatever it takes to build the kingdom of heaven. Lord, this Christian life isn't easy. But man, it is so rewarding. So Father, for those that are in this room that maybe have gone down another path. Maybe they're at a crossroads in their life. God, I pray that you'll speak to them today. Let your Holy Spirit intercede with them today. Lord, help them to have a breakthrough today. God, we thank you for what you've done in this ministry over the last 16 years, and we pray that you'll continue to move this church forward to see souls saved and lives changed. Father, there's somebody in this room that needs to come to know you.